like a rosary too. I enjoy. I got it. in super big trouble for wearing it like a necklace. Mm, yeah, it's so tempting. Yeah. It's such a beautiful necklace. It looks like a necklace. That's not a necklace. I'm like, you tell that to all the other necklaces <laughs> that look exactly like this. <laughs> Okay, here we go. Are we ready? Ready. I'm Anne McNamee Keels. And I'm Stephanie Shavera. And this is Lapsed, a podcast about growing up Catholic. And today we are going to talk about confession. Dun dun dun. Yes. Uh, the, we just had a little partial dress rehearsal where it turns out we were not recording. So. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep on moving. I'm confessing. I'm confessing at the top of the episode (laughs) that I screwed something up. And that's the only way to get closer to God. So you did it. Nice job. I might pray some Hail Marys after this, to be honest with you. A little penance. (laughs) All right. We have some podcast updates and we're officially launched. We are. You can find us on all the social media accounts, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Lapsed Podcast. We are at lapsedpodcast.com. Listen, subscribe, tell your friends. Yay. All the good stuff. And we'll go into that again at the end uh, because we'd love to hear from you all out there Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, And then we talked a little bit about Catholicism in the news. (laughs) You have an excellent announcer voice. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, Francis is in the hospital, but okay. Yeah, it was a scheduled surgery of some kind. Yeah. I follow Father... Jim Martin, I think his name is, who does a lot of LGBT stuff in the church. So that's where I get my Pope updates. There you go. Yeah. I used to follow the Pope on Instagram. And then I I I was just like, I don't know. It feels, it was so performative. I was like, I don't believe it. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) But wish the best for Francis. Of course, I looked it up and there's all these people like, is he still in charge if he's in the hospital? I'm like, I don't think it works like the presidency. Like, I don't think. Yeah. There's not a vice Pope. No, it's like, it's him till it's not him. <laughs> and we'll go into the Pope's soon enough. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about all of these residential schools in Canada. Yes, there have been a lot more talked about in Canada. The conversation about residential schools in the U.S. has really yet to happen Right. Widely. Hopefully that starts to happen. Yeah. Hopefully. I think we'll cover that a little bit. We'll maybe dig into some research about what we don't know and learn a little bit more and hope to share that information. Bring on an expert, maybe. Mm -hmm. That would be cool. I have some connections from a nation I worked with out in Montana, the Northern Cheyenne uh, Lame Deer Reservation. And that was when I first learned about this. And this was in the middle of my 30s uh, when I was touring with Montana Shakespeare in the Parks, which I still work with. And the conversation, which is a longer one about bringing, you know, 16th century white dudes works there. But (laughs) I ended up doing a week-long artist-in-residency program at the high school there. And that is when I really learned about the sort of generational trauma of the residential schools in America. And that was from the people who survived. So now we're, you know, these graves and there's a petition and I I gotta find the news, but it's a, a lot of Catholics signing this petition asking Trudeau not to blame the Catholic church. I'm like, we're talking like in terms of confession, it's like, okay, passing the buck off here is the opposite of like everything Catholics teach you to be. 
I would have a lot easier time being on board with confession as a function of the church, as a sacrament, if they, you know, put their money where their mouth is and confessed and, and gave literal money, gave some, maybe some reparations from those collection baskets every week. A little something. Yeah. Right. Confess. Confess, guys. Confess. Like, and that was always my thing. I guess when I went to therapy, I was like, oh, yes, therapists go to therapists. Like, mm-hmm. do priests confess? And I think they must. I think they do. I think they have to. I think they have to because it's a sacrament. And I'm going to – we're going to the history in a bit, and it is something we're supposed to be doing at least once a year. Oh, well, extra lapsed over here. Oh, so lapsed. So lapsed. <laughs> um, but, Anne, tell us about your first confession. Yeah, so I remember making my first – first confession in second grade you have to do it before you receive communion so get to wear the pretty dress yes which is you know and get the the money and the presents <laughs> the big party uh-huh. first comes the guilt yeah <laughs> then you get a party mm-hmm. so we did it in second grade I remember we did it during the school day because I went to Catholic school I remember my mom saying that some schools they did it on the weekend and made it more of like a to-do and the parents were there and stuff but she liked that it was more of like an austere quiet thing Mm -hmm. which I think I agree with and yeah so we did it during the day and I remember like filing in in the girls line we had a boy and girls line all the way through grade uh and we would (laughs) we would walk I walking in the girls line into the church and just just I just started sobbing I was just having a total panic attack started freaking out started sobbing I remember I couldn't even I didn't want to shout out for my teacher I didn't know what to do and all I could think to do was tap the girl in front of me who was not even someone I knew very well and I was so embarrassed that she was seeing me crying and I remember her looking at me and like with a look of horror and calling our teacher over to her credit we had a very lovely teacher that year very young and just a very engaged I I only have good memories of her um not like my octogenarian nun from first grade who fell asleep all the time but (laughs) so she was very sweet I remember her giving me lots of like choices in the moment clearly I had to do confession if I wanted to do communion so like it wasn't an option to not do it but she Mm -hmm. was like you know do you want to do go in the confessional or do face-to-face? Do you want to do it right now? Do you want to wait a couple minutes to calm down? Like she was very sweet about it. And I remember eventually going in there. I went in the confessional. No way was I going to go face-to-face. Also, the priest who was doing face-to-face was like, uh, this priest, who was an older guy. He was known, people would groan kind of audibly when you'd walk into one of his masses because he always took like an hour and a half. You're like, no. His homilies were so long. He maybe told some inappropriate jokes and might have been drinking sometimes before mass. Like that tracks. Yeah. <laughs> Irish, Irish, jolly Irish priest. Me, any other seven-year-olds or whatever choose face-to-face confession? I think some did. Those are some brave seven-year-olds. It was like up on the altar. Um <laughs> Oh, yeah, no. I know. Um, she was like, do you want to do Facebook? I was like, no. Um, but I went in the box with this pastor we had who was like young. He was an artist. All the moms loved him because he was very handsome. Kind of yeah. seen as what a waste, like handsome <laughs> priest. Uh, found out later he was super conservative, is still around here in the diocese somewhere super conservative. Loved Latin mass. He made us sit through several Latin masses as like six-year-olds. Latin mass. Yeah, the real deal. Which is weird because he was young. Like he probably wasn't even much around during that before Vatican II. So 
It's weird. So, but I went in the confessional with him. I remember it. I confessed to like fighting with my brother and uh, not listening to my parents because I had to confess to something. There was no option to not confess Mm -hmm. or say like everything I'm doing is developmentally appropriate. Not an option. No. (laughs) Even though I was like generally a pretty good kid. Um, And then I came out and did my Hail Marys or whatever penance he told me I had to do. I do remember this whole, this idea, they kept telling us that Jesus was going to clean our soul, that that's what confession was. And I realized, well, I imagined this little like glowing oval in my body. That was my soul and a tiny little Jesus cleaning it off in his robes and sandals and beard. And I realized later so as an adult, the, this image I had of a soul I think I was evoking the Little Mermaid's uh, voice from the Little Mermaid when it is drawn out of her. Yeah. Did you take that a step further? Like, did you feel like your soul could be taken? You know, that's what I, like, I realized the time that in the movie where you see her soul is when the sea witch is like, yeah, take stealing it. Yeah. I don't know. I I mean, I think there was certainly something traumatic about that whole thing. The idea that my soul was dirty and, you know. I love the image of like tiny car wash Jesus working on your car soul. There's a great podcast actually called The Confessional. Have you listened Mm -hmm. to it? No. So it is, um, let me think. Um, I'm going to look up her name because I'm forgetting it. So it's a Lutheran pastor who has written a couple books and I really love her. She's very, you would like, you would probably like her. She's very like progressive and has a lot of tattoos. Uh, she's a writer, Nadia mm-hmm. Boltz-Weber. Nadia Boltz-Weber? Mm-hmm. She's a Lutheran okay. pastor. It's called The Confessional. And she says her her tagline is, it's like a car wash for your soul. Oh, there you go. With little with little tiny genus. <laughs> you two are like-minded. There you go. I'll take it. So yeah, that's my first confession. Did you ever have like penance that was more than a prayer? I remember hearing that a priest could... So, Usually it was like the priest is going to ask you to say some Hail Marys, Our Fathers, maybe a rosary. Um, they might even have you do something related to the to the sin. Like if you were not obeying your parents, they could have you like do something nice for your parents or or mm-hmm. apologize. That never. I always thought that might be cool. Like that seemed a little more like directly related. Like, oh, they have advice for me on how to rectify the situation. And that never I didn't I only went to confession like through elementary school but that never happened I don't know anyone that's happened to have you no No. not that I remember at least I feel like that would have stood out I feel like that would be cool I know so tell me about your first confession so yeah so I was in CCD so we didn't have access to the church during the week basically (laughs) like you did and we we last time did a poor job of I I will speak for myself I did a poor job of explaining Catholic things to potential non-Catholic non-lapsed Catholic listeners. Yeah. So CCD, for all those who don't know. Because I don't. And I went there for <laughs> 15 something years. I did not know. So we Googled it. And apparently it stands for the Confraternity of Christian Doctrine. Also can be called catechism. It's it's like Sunday school that other churches have. It's like- If that had been a Jeopardy question, I would have failed. And then I would have been so <laughs> mad at myself. Like, I do this. We should do a quiz. We should do some polls on Ooh. our social media and be like, do you know what this thing means? Yes. I'm curious how many Catholics would know that because I have a strong feeling it is not many. We we just take what we are told and no more investigation is needed. It's it, CCD stands for CCD and that is CCD and that is it. 
And, but the funny thing is, it's I wonder if it's CCD, well, at least all over the English-speaking world. Like, I asked you yeah. if you went to CCD, and we both knew what we were talking about. Like, I guess someone called it catechism, and I always thought it was Catholic catechism with a D at the end, and I don't know why. Right. That would make sense. Thought catechism was in there, and the Catholic, but no. Confraternity. So for brothers, is that not even, am I not even allowed to really be there? It was probably one of those things where they were like, oh, I guess girls can do it too. Oh, thanks so much for letting us partake. So we went and mostly uh, CCD was either an hour before or after we went to church. But oftentimes my parents sort of slipped us out. Like they counted our CCD as our church for the day, but that was really frowned upon. So you kind of had to sneak out if you did that. But you were honoring your father and your mother. So it's it's tough when that conflicts with the exactly. honoring the Sabbath. What are you going to yeah. do? I know. It's like, which choice? Which commandment do I break? And okay, so I think you know more about this than I do. Are all Ten Commandments like mortal sins? I think some are mortal and some are venial. But oh, in fact, I have a a bit of research for you that I stumbled upon. Awesome. Which is that, did you know that other non-Catholic Christians have a slightly different Ten Commandments? One of the commandments is different. My husband was just showing me this like chart from wikipedia there's like 12 commandments and oh my gosh he just showed this to me so i think the one that the catholics don't have that others do have it's no have no gods before me which we do that one we the labs catholics and, and and current catholics but um, the idols one of not worshiping idols, the Catholics yeah. took it out because we kind of do. Or that's that's why all the other Christians are like, Catholics are idol worshipers. Yeah. We took out that commandment. We're like, mm, we really like our statues. And instead they added, they added to not covet your neighbor's wife. Oh, yeah. I'm seeing that. Yeah. They added that. And then where was it? Yeah. It's Jewish, Orthodox, Catholic, and Protestant except Lutheran in this chart, which is interesting. Lutherans must have their own situation. I had just assumed everybody's commandments were the same. Yeah, no. And then Orthodox, like Eastern Orthodox mm-hmm. combines the first two. I'm the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods. And then they, but they include the idol stuff. And then Protestants don't have the first one. I'm the Lord your God. Whoa. According to See, this chart. Who knew? <laughs> who knew? So yeah, that's the thing, right? So when you're little, there's like this range of sins. Some are like, ugh, not that bad. Some are really, really bad. And I'm like, it's scary to go tell a priest you did something really, really, really bad. And my first confession, so we're in class and they're preparing us. And it was mostly like coloring sheets. I think a lot of coloring happened in CCD and yes. worksheets. And someone, I don't think it was me, but I'm a little fuzzy on this memory. Someone in my class asked like, well, what if we don't have any sins to confess? Like basically Mm -hmm. I'm a good kid. My parents tell me I'm a good kid, you know, and the teacher was visibly appalled at that question because the first thing you're taught uh, as a child Catholic is that you are a sinner. Well, one of the first things. You have original sin. You have original sin, and if you got baptized, you're lucky. Um, so that one's kind of washed away. But since then, you've probably been sinning all the time. And so we were all like racking our brains, and they basically say like, "Go home and like think about everything you're doing and how that might offend God." And I was like, "I've never thought at that point. I I never thought about myself as a bad person." And all of a sudden, I'm like, "No, I am a bad person." And this set up a whole thing that sent me to therapy as an adult. Like, I am intrinsically bad. Um, same. <laughs> and, uh, 
And I was like, oh my, it's like, what is it I'm doing? Of course, yes, fought with my brother and sister like crazy. Thank goodness that's not in the Ten Commandments. Otherwise, I would have been You'd be in some trouble. Serious trouble. But honor thy mother and father is in there. And of course I fought with them or like didn't listen yeah. to them or disobeyed right. them. Because again, that's what you're supposed to do when you're that age. Because if you weren't, there would be a problem. Yeah. You'd be too scared to test your boundaries. Like, yeah. right? So I was like, those are my big ones. I could, I don't think I thought of anything else other than on that and going in. Totally chose the screened confessional option. I never – ever did face to face. I cannot handle. No. I have too much guilt. I would not I would have collapsed completely. And I remember yeah, I remember going in, I remember doing the things. I I being very proud of myself that I had memorized the confessional prayer. I loved memorizing prayers. That was mm-hmm. my favorite thing, especially cuz I had no idea what it was I was saying, but I liked no the sounds of it. Do you remember the prayer? I assume you had to learn the same prayer. Oh, I was going to ask you. It was like, do you remember it? Yes. Do you? I feel like you would remember it. I remembered nothing almost of it. I looked it up and I was like, oh my gosh. It's, no. I think it, so I purposely didn't look it up so that to see if I could remember it. Let's see. I think it's- Go for it. It's, oh my God, I am heartily sorry for having offended thee and I detest all my sins because of thy just punishment. But most of all, because I offended you, my God, who are all good and deserving of all my love, I firmly resolve with the help of your grace to sin no more and to avoid the near occasion of sin. Amen. Ooh. Close? Yes. I mean, I looked it up and it was a l- slightly different on like the five different websites I looked up, which I find, yeah. I was like, I thought a prayer was a prayer. It was probably whatever one was in our religion textbook. Yeah. So this one says, oh my God, I'm heartily sorry for having offended you. I detest sure. all my sins. you. Yeah. I dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell, but most of all because they offend you. They probably X that out. They were like, that sounds a little dark. I think I remember that. I mean, everything for the most of my childhood was driven of like by a fear of going to hell. See, I I think I most I mostly just had in if anything, it was like disappointed God. Like that to me, I Mm. hated disappointing adults and so disappointing God who seemed like the adult. Right. And as I was thinking about that prayer, and I want to hear more about your your confession, but as I was thinking about that prayer for coming up today, I was like, oh, you know, you have these moments where you're like, hmm, why do I have these issues? It says, I detest all my sins because of thy just punishment, but most of all, because I offend you. Not because I did something bad to somebody, not because mm-hmm. I'm, I feel I'm disappointed in myself and want to do better, but because God will be mad. That's why. That's really it. And- at the end, it says, I firmly resolve with the help of your grace to sin no more. That is like, that is like if I am on a diet and I eat a cookie and I say, I will never eat a cookie in my entire life until I die when I'm 100. And then I am setting myself up for failure. Yeah. They're asking a seven-year-old to firmly resolve to sin no more ever. And yet I must confess something next year when we go to confession. Oh, you have to confess. So they're saying, here's what you do. You say you're never going to sin again. Say it, but you're going to sin. (laughs) And then I'm like, huh, why do I have these moments of taking a hard line with myself and then getting so angry when I screw up again? Oh, my gosh. Because you're constantly disappointed that you failed. You failed this insane expectation. Like, (laughs) Tell God that you will never make a mistake ever again in your life. And then when you do, come back groveling. But that won't give you any issues in your life. It's fine. You're fine. You'll be okay. (sighs) Totally healthy. So, yeah. 
I did that. I got some penance. I think mostly, like I said, I was like, yes, I know that Hail Mary, even though I kept inverting the two lines, like Hail Mary and then Oh Mary. Like I just always kept inverting those two lines and I was always, I was mad at myself, but got some of that probably, I don't know. I loved holding the rosary. So I probably asked my mother if I could hold the rosary and like perform my penance a little bit. I liked that part. It's like I need to look penitent. You were an actor. You were memorizing was, things. You were oh, performing. It's like, look at me beating myself up. I'm so good at this. I like a rosary too. I enjoy it. Yeah. I remember playing with my grandma's rosary when I, in mass when I was a kid. I got in super big trouble for wearing it like a necklace. Mm, yeah. It's so yeah. tempting. It's such a beautiful necklace. It looks like a necklace. It looks like one. So much trouble. That's not a necklace. I'm like, you tell that to all the other necklaces that look exactly <laughs> like this. But the more traumatizing one, if we're ranking our, our confessional trauma, was definitely when I went to high school. And that is Catholic school. And the first week we like got marched. Our Catholic school did not have a church, but the next door elementary school did. So we had to like go across a parking lot to the church. Okay. We had a chapel and they would like grab a priest from somewhere whenever they needed one. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we all like marched over there and it was like, okay, you're, you have to, like, there was no, like, I'm not going to do this. It was not an option. It was like, you had to do it. Go clean your go clean your soul before we teach you. And my Catholic school, there were a fair amount of kids that weren't Catholic. Like a lot mm. of people went there because it was a private school. Yeah. But I think they still had to. I think it was part of like tuition. Like you have to pay your tuition and you have to like go to church and do all the things that we say you have to do. Can you do? You can't do confession if you're not Catholic, though, can you? And they might maybe they did something else, but I feel like everyone had to go in. Yeah. I'm like, if you're going to be here, you have to do it. I don't know. Hmm. Which one I, I can't imagine what that must have been like. But that was like 14 freshman year, the awakening of sexual thoughts and feelings and explorations. And again, developmentally appropriate. Uh, right. But flash us in. Yeah. You're, by this point, I was well aware of the Catholic, uh, was it doctrine? I don't know, of like everyone's watching you. God is watching you. Jesus is watching you. Mary somewhere. So are your dead grandparents. Like <laughs> everyone's watching you. The angels, the saints. Your guardian angel. They're always watching. And so I don't even want to go into too much information. Maybe I should. But like, remember like masturbating and like being under the covers and being like, okay, is this enough covers on top of me to block the people watching? It's so weird. Like big brother. It's like you, you're living under surveillance. It was too much. With people you won't see until you die. But when you do. And then like the year before... I have been around a bunch of girls that stole some chapsticks from Target and they were really fast and they got out of the store before I did. And I got caught with the group and my mom got called. And I mean, oh, so horrible. Like horrifying. I still feel guilty about it. Like I feel awful. Whoa. Wonder why that is. Oh. <laughs> I never I was like, OK, this is my first confession since all of this stuff. What am I going to tell this priest? And then I actively chose not to tell them about the stealing and the and the other stuff because I was like, I, I thought like, well, we only had half an hour to do this and I'm obviously going to get like at least an hour's worth of penance. And like, what do I say? Like, I can't go to science class right now because I have more, I'm a bad, bad person. 72 more Hail Marys to get through. I was like, I gotta, I gotta get out of this in the amount of time allotted in the middle of this school day without... <laughs> 
publicly announcing I'm going to hell. Um, and uh, I just was I sweating through my uniform. Like, yeah. what am I going to say? And sweating through my sins. And he's like, is that all? And saying <laughs> yes. And yep. I think I was like, uh, I was like, I just got to talk to God directly about this one, which is anti-Catholic. You don't, you don't even go directly to God. Usually we don't even bother God or Jesus. That's why all the saints are there. They're there as like the bodyguards. They intercede. You're like, hey, listen, can you, next time you see God, please tell him. Let him know I'm really screwed up. Please. Thank you. <laughs> So then I, I remember like not sleeping. The The Catholic church is so directly linked to my insomnia. It's crazy. But thinking like, this is it. Like I am officially an evil person. Like not only did I do these things, I went into a confessional and talked to a priest and didn't say that I did that. Now you got to confess that. I'm done. I'm done. I am no longer <sighs> a good person. Whew, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah, that makes me think of I so I only have two other confession stories that really stick with me. Yeah. One is that we had this old priest who was like retired, but still around living in the rectory. Mm-hmm. And his his shtick was that he would come into our, our classroom unannounced in the middle of the day and inform us that marriages were falling apart because women were working outside the home and then kids were really stressing them out when they got home. So we needed to stop stressing out our parents so they wouldn't get divorced. So basically, thanks, priest. So basically, like if your parents are divorced, I'm not saying it's not. It's not saying it's your fault, but like I'm not not saying it's your fault, right? Um, and then he'd be like, "God bless you," and leave. So that was. I knew I was. He was the only one in the confessional. I didn't want to do face to face, so he was my only option. So I remember walking into the confessional, kind of knowing this is who I'm getting. Get this over with. But I, I kind of, I was nervous. I didn't know if it was my turn. There's like a confessional. And there's like two people on either side. You're like waiting for your turn. So I didn't, I didn't know if it was my turn yet. If the screen was open, and then I just hear, "What'd you do?" <laughs> and I was like, "Is this I?" There is a script to follow. Like, you've been doing this for decades. You should know. You know, and I was, uh, uh, bless me, Father. He's already bored by you. Like, yeah. How do you take it remotely seriously when that's what you're greeted with? What'd you do? But the other one that yours made me think of was in eighth grade. We had this kind of like, I don't know where these people are the rest of the time. They brought in this special priest, not one of our priests, a special priest who like worked with the kids and was hip and cool maybe, but was like kind of a, was like middle-aged and very like unkempt and Mm -hmm. that's how we felt to me and but very loud and boisterous so we had a retreat first with our confirmation sponsor I chose my best friend's mom which was nice it was nice to have that relationship with her she has since she's a very fun and loud personality she ran into me when I was like 22 at a bar once and ordered a bucket of beers for all my friends and yelled I'm her confirmation sponsor Which is like kind of the most South Sidey Catholic thing that could possibly happen. My my friend was like best reason to buy a beer ever. Yes. Anyway, we were at this we were at this retreat and he we were like supposed to bond with our sponsor and he would give us prompts like things to talk about. And one was the worst your worst church experience. And um, he said he shared his, which he said was getting kicked out of a confessional as a child, as like a a teen or a or like a preteen. And so later we had another retreat with him that was just the students during the day. And he did this thing where he was like, all right, guys, like real talk. 
you can ask me anything you want and I'm going to answer. Like no question is off limits. Ask me about the Catholic church. Ask me about being a priest. Ask me about my life. Anything's anything's up for grabs. And so there was some kind of kerfuffle amongst the boys over in one side of the gym where we were having this. And someone immediately said, what is the thing that you did to get kicked out of the confessional? Which it didn't feel like this is something that just came up in the moment. It felt like he knew this question would be asked and he had heard from older siblings like, make sure you ask this because you'll have the chance. So he asked, what's the thing you did to get kicked out of the confessional? And this priest said, I confessed to masturbating and the priest kicked me out of the confessional. Talk about scarring. You know, and he did say, I think he did say something like, I don't think he should have done that and saying like masturbation is normal at that age or something like, I don't know if he went so far as to say it's like not a sin. Right. But I can't like, I'm, I remember feeling weird about that because like no, no adult was talking to us about sex, let alone masturbation, anything. So like, it was weird that this priest was talking to us about this. And I was like, is this weird? But also it's kind of good that someone was saying that to us. Like that's yeah. the first time probably most of us had heard that. You're not so going to get the hairy palms and go yeah. to hell or something. Don't worry about that. In hell with hairy palms. That's just, that's nightmare stuff. It's really hot. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, considering what we know about priests, like for the wrong priest starting that conversation, it can be like a grooming tactic. Really? Absolutely. But, but in the right hands, it's really healthy to get that information. Yes. And it was like, in, I mean, there were tons of other, like our teachers were all around and I don't know what their reactions were. I was like, I didn't know this was going to happen. It felt like a lot of the boys, this was like a plan of theirs mm. to ask this question and they knew the answer. And I was like, what is going on? This is not where I thought this day was going. This is not what we do at Catholic school. So I actually don't think I have been to confession. I might be misremembering, but I don't think I've been to confession since elementary school, since grammar school is what we would call it. Did you since go to Catholic grade. high school? Yeah. And they didn't make you go then? I think they probably offered it. I think I probably didn't even register that they were offering it because it was like, I'm not going to do that. I don't ever remember have, it probably was like available or like after a mass or like in the chapel or something. And they probably said it on the announcements and I just didn't pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember going after that first week really. Although I think I must've gone with my dad because we always did around Easter there's this thing called Stations of the Cross for those of you who are non-Catholics and that's really a lot about penance and learning the suffering of Christ and that's yeah one of the big confession times that's when usually the line is the longest around Easter or used to be when we're all cleaning our souls but that was hard because my oh yeah, it's, I mean, it's close to Passover, surprise, surprise, um, when you're cleaning your soul with your little Jesus. But yeah, it was just weird because my dad had befriended all of the priests at that church. And I was like, they came over in the morning. My, like one ran with my dad and short shorts. Um, <laughs> and like we knew them. And I was like, I am not telling them no stuff so i stuck very much to the i fight with my brother and sister and i fight with my parents and they're like okay like two hail marys and be better like that was it say something. and it wasn't really doing anything worse than that i mean testing some right. boundaries trying a cigarette but that's not a sin Stephanie, <laughs> that's not in the ten commandments what are you gonna oh, do I, i'm fine i can do whatever i want there but um yeah i was like i don't i don't care for this and i don't definitely not been since the age of 18 as an adult same so do you think people who are non-catholics know the process of 
going to confession? I mean, probably not in detail. I think yeah. people know you go in a box and have to tell the priest your sins. We talked about like if you go through a screen or the face-to-face. You can choose. So you have two options, which I think my dad always chose face-to-face because he just chose to like hang out with the priests. In there. <laughs> Bring a couple beers. Oh, he would have. I mean, you could. I feel like such things have probably happened. Maybe oh, at people's sure. homes. Let's just have father over for a beer and we'll do confession. You can done do and that. done. But yeah, you go in, you say, like, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. This is my first confession or I haven't been to confession since. Yeah. And then you tell them your sins and you, you tell them how long it's been. Yeah, so, right? Yeah. That's like a part of it. Have to tell them. Yeah. It's part of the standard procedure. <laughs> and that's something I do remember lying about, too. I was like, it's been a year and it had been like two years. I mean, I lied in the confessional. I don't think I was ever going to tell anyone until you made me do this podcast. And now here I am. Now you confessed. You letting better. everything out. And then you do your penance, which, you know, was often just prayers, but it could have been anything. There's no guidelines. There's no like, for this sin, you get three Hail Marys. It's no, really up it's, to the priest and your relationship with the priest. It's completely subjective. Which is a lot of strange power. Maybe they have a secret priest code where they're like, here's what you do. I don't well, know. as I was looking up a lot of research for this episode. Yes, I do tell. saw like a couple of blogs and like some like new priests. Like what would you assign for this sin? And Ooh. other like yeah. saying, oh, you know, I would do this. And one priest was like, I really like to not do prayers and make them do like reconciliation with the people they've wronged sounded like a lot more like aa but yeah almost everyone was like you know just throw out a couple hail marys and (laughs) be done with it it's fine can't go wrong with a hail mary can't go wrong with a hail mary which is also funny though because in that act of contrition we're talking about like our relationship with god and we'll get again mm-hmm. another episode but then we're like to repent talk to mary go through mary who's just up there also super catholic <laughs> i mean it's super catholic i think when i was a teenager randomly i was like getting my car fixed or something and there was this guy next to me this is as an adult i would never do this he was holding a bible he was like this young guy and i was like he was like in his probably 20s i probably just like oh, i'm gonna talk to this yeah. guy and i was like so why do you have a bible i asked him that who in their right mind goes up to someone with a bible you run if someone has a bible no. they're gonna try to start talking to you about the bible evangelize but i was like why do you have this bible and um he was telling me about his church and I was like, I'm, he was like, oh, you're Catholic. And he said, you know, there's, he was very respectful about it, but he was like, you know, there's something I don't understand about Catholics. Like, it just seems like you're more into Mary than Jesus. And like, Mary's not the main show. It's Jesus. I had never heard that before. I have since come to learn that's a huge beef that other Christians have. Yeah. I mean, I think. I think the reason they're so about Mary is because they had to convert so many pagans who had like goddesses and female gods. And they were like, well, oh. God cannot be female. I think, I mean, I think that's a big part of it. It's like, well, God cannot be female. Jesus, like we can't, there's no female God. Well, God, does God have a gender? Like, well, whatever. He's a man. Yeah. And, uh, but here's, here's Mary. And uh, we're just going to say she never had sex in her whole life, even though in her whole life. So Catholics are the only ones who believe that Mary never had sex even after she had Jesus. Right. She's virgin. Virgin for her whole life. Virgin for life. Which I feel like I didn't know till I was older. I don't feel like all Catholics even know that for sure, but that's the official Catholic teaching is she, whereas other, other Christian denominations are like, oh no, she had like a big, like Jesus had siblings like Mary. Yeah. The Gnostics, don't they have something in there? Always wanted to learn more about that. Oh, the Gnostic. Me too. That stuff is interesting. And now we have a platform to do that. We do. That could also be like, whatever, we'll do bonus episodes. We've got a whole world ahead of us. 
So, Anne, do you think confession is in the Bible? I mean, not like formally. I'm trying to think if there's a place where Jesus asks like the apostles to confess, but I feel like no. Is it? Well, that's the other thing, right? Well, Catholics don't know the Bible. <laughs> we don't read the Bible. We leave it to the experts. Exactly. The priests read the Bible. We look at a missalette that has little excerpts with no context at all. So there's a couple places. There's something in John that says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Mm. that's like confess your sins. But the thing, the big divide between Protestants and well, most religions and Catholics is that Catholics are the ones that demand that you confess your sins to a priest Mm. and that you don't get to talk to God directly. Like you have to have a conduit. And Catholics say, this is also John, this is what their proof in the Bible from what I could find. Jesus said to the, them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And I think the them is priests in this situation and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So that is the sole proof, I think, in the Bible. Of course, I'm sure hopefully we have people who can like prove me wrong, but it's really, that's it. Like one little line. That's why we have to have priests. (laughs) And I looked it up you know, we talked a little bit about it. Like, do other religions have it? So I looked at, so this is St. Mary's Catholic Campus Ministries website. That's what I found Mm. there. It says like Protestants insist that since only God can forgive sin, every sinner must approach him individually. So the Protestants are very much out of that. Like the, the priest should not be involved. And like Greek Orthodox Church encourages it, but it's not mandatory like it is in the okay. Catholic Church. Protestants can do it whenever with they feel like it. Um, Orthodox Judaism says it's like part of their daily prayers to confess, but mm. you don't need a rabbi. And Islam does not believe that people are born sinners. You can't ask for goodness when you do something wrong but you're not like automatically going to have to confess anything well that's kind of lovely because you're not inherently bad imagine that <laughs> i don't know it's like well that sounds so wonderful and i'm sure there's different branches of islam that believe otherwise sure. but that was the general overarching yeah. thing interesting so what do you think of confession now as a as an adult lapsed catholic like do you think there are any positive parts do you see it i think we've touched on a little bit how maybe it gave us both some complexes i don't know yeah what's funny so like i did all this research on the history of confession like when it actually became mandatory and it's oh my gosh so much to learn okay not until pope pius in 1910 did children have to start confessing interesting before that it was considered like ridiculous because developmentally they're not ready to like know right from wrong and then he was like oh my gosh we've lost so many people we need to really start making more rabid followers out of our children basically and when I was reading a lot about that like why that came to be like why are seven-year-olds sent to say I am a bad person and please absolve me of my sins I was like yeah that is it was so scarring and the numbers for who goes to confession is so low right now they were saying like priests wait all day in their confessional and nobody shows up anymore even Mm. amongst church-going Catholics no one's going to confession everyone doesn't want to do this anymore and a lot of it has to do with mistrust of their 
they're like, who are you, priest, who's probably doing things that, like, why are you the right? Oh, yeah. With a clean person. So I'm going to just talk to God directly. I want to, like, think there's good in it because I want to think there's a good side to everything. Personally, it it caused me, it was really hard, (laughs) I think. And it reframed how I thought of myself. I guess I thought of myself in a more Catholic way, which is inherently bad. And I just strive towards being good. And that was part of that process. I think admitting what you've done wrong and wrong and learning how to talk to people you've wronged like that idea is something I wish everyone would do like oh I I screwed up I need to go I need to know how to apologize I need to know how to not put this on the person I wronged mm-hmm. but it's probably should be more part of school than like math is sometimes but like how do you take accountability for your actions but I don't think that that's what happens like I say my Hail Marys and then I'm good like I did it, whether or not yeah. even believe in the hell I did the I said words. Yeah, I'm good. Right. <laughs> that you don't even know what it means. Like, that's the other thing about all these like, I mean, even the act of contrition that I just recited, like I am heartily, heartily sorry for having offended thee. And I detest all my sin because of thy just punishment. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what detest meant. I didn't know what anything. So you're, you're taught to say the words without understanding what any of it means, except yeah. that your soul is dirty and God has, Jesus has to clean it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think at a big picture level, like if you just asked me outside of the, if there was no confession and you said, well, would it be helpful for people to have a, a structure in which to voice their, the things of which they're ashamed and be mm-hmm. told that they are still good and forgiven? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. We should all have, right? Like right? that's, Renee Brown has made lots of money (laughs) because people have lots of shame that they're dealing with. Like we all have that, which side note, I feel like when I first Renee Brown came on the scene and she started talking about shame, I at first didn't know what she was talking about. I was like, what did she mean? Shame? Like, I don't really relate to that. Like, what is she talking about? Then I realized it is actually just my whole being and all of me. I am so (laughs) it's like, it's the fish in water, right? It's the same Mm -hmm. thing we talk about when we talk about anti-racism is like, we don't see whiteness because we are just, it's the, it's the water we swim in. We don't see white privilege because we're just Mm -hmm. in it. Mm -hmm. I don't see shame because my life is just rooted deeply in my, my way I view the world, I think is so rooted deeply in shame and mm-hmm. like how is this my fault and did I do something wrong and yeah yeah that I didn't even understand what she was talking about because I was like yeah I don't I don't experience oh you mean like everything you mean like everything. the way I, I see everything and I filter everything through how did I screw this up how am mm-hmm. I doing the wrong thing like aha oh maybe I should buy the book <laughs> so <laughs> I think the problem is the part where the church says a that like it's because you are bad that you are a sinner, not like, oh, you were in like, you know, if there was someone who I trusted, who's who, who I opinion I trusted and who, you know, like a, a clergy person who I felt was well-read, who I could go to and talk about like, man, I just was exhausted and I really snapped at my kids and I feel bad about it. And then she said, you know what? You're forgiven. You can do better. That sounds great. But the problem is that it's not in that sense. Like I can also, I can recognize I did something wrong, even though I didn't intend it, that I was triggered, that I was having a rough day, whatever. Right. But in the Catholic Church, A, you're told you you did it because you're bad. Yeah. And then also like they make up the rules. It's like the it's like the beauty industrial complex. Like, oh, did you know that your neck looks bad? Now you need this neck cream. You're like, I didn't even know my neck had an issue. Right. Like I thought it was fine. Right. They make up the thing and then they tell you now you need to go solve it. So like, oh, guess what? Have you done anything bad? I don't think so. Well, did you think a lustful thought? Oh, yeah, I guess. Guess what? That's bad. Go confess it. So now you need us and we're going to 
we're going to tell you why you need us. Yeah, I guess that's why therapy has been so important. It's like I can go sort of confess. I'm like, I did this horrible thing. But instead of my therapist saying you're a bad person, they're like, okay, well, how did you come to make this and like this decision to or why did you behave this way? Like, what are all the factors that led up to this? And we can like go through it. Mm-hmm. I don't think a therapist has ever told me you are a bad person. <laughs> would not stay with a therapist who said such things. I, this is a larger story, but part of my grad school experience, um, my classmates told me I was a bad person and I was so quick to believe them. And Mm -hmm. it took me years to figure out that like, of course I believed them. Like I believe that because I've been told that since I was a baby. Interesting. I feel like I have had similar situations where someone is upset with me and looking back on it, I'm like, oh, that person maybe like to the point of like that person had a personality disorder and that's why they were upset. Like they, that didn't make any, their, their, their behavior was irrational. But at the time, especially like in my twenties, it was like, oh yeah, no, I must be at fault. Yeah. I definitely screwed up. I mean, I do often joke, I think maybe the silver lining of this is so I um, facilitate anti-racism workshops, like on a volunteer basis in another part of my life. And um, I think as a Catholic, I was very comfortable. White guilt is ultimately not where you want to get, but it was perhaps my entry point. Mm -hmm. And someone was like, hey, you screwed up in these ways you maybe don't even realize you were so clueless about. You have been walking around this privilege you were clueless about. And I was like, yep. Yeah, I do feel like that sense of like, you did something bad that maybe you weren't even aware of. I didn't have much issue with that. I actually open to accepting. Yeah. And I haven't seen that for listen, I can look at the Catholic area I grew up in and say that not everyone has had that kind of made that kind of connection. Right. But I do joke. So and other people who are raised Catholic often laugh and are like, Oh, my gosh, you're right. Like, I think there are, there's a subset of us who's like, oh, oh, I did something bad and I didn't even realize it. Yeah, that, that tracks. That's, that's who I am. So I don't, I think, like I said, I think there are these small, this idea of being able to voice your shame Mm -hmm. and believing you're forgiven, this idea that maybe you did something wrong and that you can own that. Yeah. Um, Those things feel useful. And maybe way before therapy existed, I'm sure that was an outlet for some people. And even like saying a rosary, like to go tell someone your shame and they say, you know what, you basically have to go sit and meditate and uh, and you're forgiven. Like that sounds... I bet that was a pretty good choice and therapeutic for people where there was not anything else. And I feel like of the priests I know and some Catholics, practicing Catholics, they would say like confession isn't there to make you feel bad. It's there to make you feel free again, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But that's like, I guess it's it's the inherent problem because it's always being interpreted by somebody. And if you're just in the way of somebody who interprets it harshly, if you get a priest that's like, no, you are, that's the other side of it, then you're just, that's the message you get from the church. There's really very little way to find out how other people are viewing it at the time. Not until you're like older, I guess. Yeah. I found this, again, all these quotes. When the priest utters the words, I absolve you, that word means to break. So break, absolve and break. So it's breaking chains and chains to sin and breaking your past behavior so it's about freeing it's about freedom and I'm like I just don't feel that I don't either this is the stuff that I am weirdly nerdy about like I have this idea in my head I think because I'm fascinated with spirituality I'm fascinated with 
language too. Mm -hmm. I am a weirdo who will think about something in the Bible that I know of, but not well, because I went to Catholic school and we just learned it with no context. And then I will Google like, what are the translations here? I love to read like different perspectives on what the actual word is and how Mm -hmm. it was used and what it act in shades of meaning and how it was two different words were were interpreted to mean the same English word. But in fact, it's actually two different concepts like that stuff fascinates me. And with the Old Testament, like how the how Judaism interprets it, because it's often very different than Christianity. Mm-hmm. let alone Catholicism. So that stuff's interesting to me. I I feel like I have this core belief, like, man, if we dig down in this somewhere, there's something useful, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like with confession, like, okay, we're breaking the chains between us and the thing we did that the mistake we made. Like mm-hmm. that, that can be lovely. That sounds lovely. Right. It's the, yeah, it, it's the idea that you will never sin again. You will sin again. You'll never sin again. You will sin again. Like this cycle that is un... And if you didn't sin, well, we're going to make some rules so that it turns out you broke some. You definitely. Like I mentioned in the last episode, my grandmother confessed going to a Lutheran service because she was so good. Like what was she going to confess? What else did she have? (laughs) steal anything. She loves going to church. She loves God. She raised her 12 children all, you know, in the Catholic church. She worked hard. Like what? And she has to confess every year. Like what on earth? She's mad at God maybe that like took a family member out of her life to, you know, for death or something. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. like, like do you confess that you're mad at god a little you're mad at god that happened that's it uh yeah i know i know well <laughs> i think we can let go in my in my grand con marieing of my catholicism um i feel like which i guess for listeners who don't know con marie is a is a you can google it it's a way mm-hmm. of cleaning your house and looking at your stuff and deciding if you want to keep it or not there you go yeah i think i can take all the the shame and the you're a bad person stuff and put it in a goodwill box and burn it there you go <laughs> i like that uh, but the piece about voicing your shame i mean i think we all do need to do that yeah i remember hearing brene brown again i remember hearing her somewhere say like if you have one friend who you can come to when you're feeling really ashamed of something and and bring it to them and know they'll still be your friend like you're very lucky and I think she said like if you have two of those people that's like very rare and that is lovely and I think for many people may they maybe don't have someone to go to when they're just like I really screwed up here do you feel like you have that Anne I think I do I think I have that with my yeah with my spouse with some close friends yeah do you feel like you have that yeah I like I think I can oh my gosh my siblings have seen everything so yes they everything I'm ashamed of they know about and my husband yeah I think that's why I married him I can tell I can tell him anything but I mean if we're looking historically at marriage I'm sure there are many people who were not in marriages where they felt like currently and especially historically where they're like I mean especially women I don't know yeah I feel like you and I are gonna have to develop some sort of ending segment that's definitely a (laughs) a cheerful one a more cheerful one well because it's like I I mean not that this I mean there was good in it but I think there's a lot gonna be a lot of these topics that I'm like and goodbye I think in terms of good so when my grandmother passed away recently one of the things I definitely wanted of hers was a rosary and I looked through all her things and actually she had these lovely collections of rosaries of mass cards from like funerals she had been to including like I think the oldest one I found was like from the 1960s like 
she saved all these mass cards from from Catholic funerals, which is like a little card with the person's name and like some information about them and usually a prayer and had all these beautiful rosaries. And I used, I remember playing with rosaries. Yeah. During church, I found out before Vatican II, since the mass was in Latin and it was faced away from you um, and you were kind of just sitting there observing a thing you didn't understand. (laughs) One of the options was to say rosaries because you didn't know what was going on. So people would just sit and meditate while there was like Latin and music happening. I could see how that would be meditative. Yeah, that sounds peaceful, actually. Yeah. So I I think the piece about, about voicing your shame, about believing that you can be forgiven and move forward and maybe a little meditation thrown in there. There you go. With a pretty rosary, if you want. That sounds nice. That sounds lovely. <laughs> Thanks, Catholicism. Good job. Is, is that all we got this time around? I think that's... I think it, for this amount of time we have, yeah. you can read all of the research I did on the history of when uh, confession became a thing. Yeah. Uh, is Wait, really when did funny. it become a thing for adults? The early years of the third century we have oh, man, that's so long ago the african writer tertullian who was tunisian okay. talk about how confession is making people not be christian because it was shaming them so much so we know it was around by the third century perhaps a smart guy gotta look at his other stuff yeah by the around the 11th century people were basically only confessing on their deathbed because all confessions were public like in a square and no one wanted to do it. And then by the fourth Lateran council, 1215, they made the rule that every Christian had to confess once a year. That was because of the Protestant Reformation. And because right before that, the church had done that awesome thing where they sold indulgences instead of having to confess. You could buy your way out of hell. Just buy your way to forgiveness. So then they like made it so no, you have to confess once a year and you can't do indulgences anymore. Although I think that continued. And that was also when they made priests central to it because, again, Protestants were going the other way and like Catholics were, like doubled down on the priest power. And then 1545 at the Council of Trent is when the seven sacraments were really established. Oh. Not till 1545. Again, like these things, I'm like, they must be in the Bible. And Jesus said, do them. Because we don't know. We We didn't read the Bible that closely. They're all like in the Bible, but he never says you have to complete these seven sacraments in order to be good. That's not. I mean, the church is at once so old, like you're like 15, like that's nutty. And it's like actually, oh, this is actually much older than this. And it was a thing that somebody decided on at some point. It was all stuff that people decided on. Yeah, they had these councils. Yeah, that men, celibate men decided on. They just decided it. And that was, again, like a big change because Protestants are like, no, all you have to listen to is the scripture. And Catholics are like, no, you have to listen to these councils, which is crazy. And then 1910 is basically when they had seven-year-olds start doing communion. Before then, no one really did it till like they were – St. Teresa when she was when she was 13 and everyone's like, well, that's because she was a saint. Everyone else was going when they were like 18. And then in the 60s – so only like 50 years later, everyone was like, you got to stop sending children to confession. And ever since then, it's been a huge thing. And now almost nobody oh. goes. Like the numbers are really, really low. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because I have found at some point, some many corners of the internet, some corner of, of the internet, I think Facebook that had mm-hmm. like some Catholic, some practicing Catholics and some really traditional Catholic who were, it almost feels like OCD where it's like, I, if I have confessed, I can't receive, I have to go to mass, but I can't receive communion if I right. have sinned, but haven't 
confessed sin. So I, I need to be completely clean of sin if I go to communion. So I have to go to confession and then not sin between confession and, and mass and Sunday mass. Otherwise I can't go get Eucharist. Yes. So then I'll, I'll sit out if I have sinned. So if I accidentally sinned an hour ago, that sounds like real. And that was the thing for a long time. People really believed you could not go get communion if you hadn't gone to confession. I think some people still believe that. And they this okay, the last poll I found was 1997. This is from Slate.com. In 1997, it said only 10% of Catholics surveyed said they confessed at least once a month. Another 10% said they never went to confession at all. And so in between there, there's like 80% who go to confession mm. maybe once a year. That also is interesting if we go back to this idea of yeah. who's Catholic and who is self-reporting right. as Catholic and we have sort of like maybe cafeteria Catholics. I think people sometimes decide to join a parish once they have kids yeah. as we did with a different with a Methodist church, like, oh, I should raise my kids in something. So like maybe they're Catholic in that way, in that they they belong to a parish, but maybe they're not super devout. So I don't know. That's all interesting too. Yeah. It's just, again, like one of those things I so took for granted, but just like Jesus said, you have to do this, but it was never Jesus. It's all... <laughs> It was all presented in the same way, whether it was like Noah and the ark or whatsoever you do to my to the least of my people you do unto me or like go to confession. It's all the same amount of weight of right. this is just what it is. This is just true. As opposed to lots of different Pope decisions, which is why we'll be talking about Pope soon because we can't figure Yay. out anything unless we understand what the heck that is. I feel like I need to learn more about Popes. Well. Next time, unlapsed. We will. Right, and we will. so yes, please follow us on social media at lapsed. Is it at lapsed or at lapsed podcast? I forget. Lapsed podcast. At yeah. lapsed podcast. If you have any questions or topics you would like to have us talk about or do some research on, please let us know. Let us know. Lapsedpodcast.com is live, and so you can also find us there. Mm -hmm. Lapsedpodcast at gmail.com. Reach out. Mm -hmm. We want to hear yeah. from you. Tell your friends. Share. Like. We're yeah. new at this, so. Tell us your stories. Yes, we want to hear. All right, and, and also with you. And also <laughs> with you.